Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 90 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors. AppRiver, email and web security experts. You can find out more about AppRiver at AppRiver.com. PC Law from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Get your free 30-day trial at PCLaw.com slash radio. And Clio, online practice management for attorneys at GoClio.com. In our last podcast, we covered a fun summer topic of how to use technology to enhance your TV watching, which is particularly timely for the start of football season. In this episode, we're back to a serious and very practical topic with a special guest who is making her return to the podcast. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, this is my favorite kind of episode because I get to sit back and ask questions to smart people. So I'm looking forward to this. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we're talking about LinkedIn and the new book, LinkedIn in One Hour for Lawyers, with our special guest, Allison Shields. In our second segment, we're continuing our experiment with a new idea called Puzzled. And as you usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our main topic, and that's LinkedIn. Dennis and I have talked about LinkedIn a lot on this podcast, and and we both agree, I think, uh, that it's potentially the most important social networks for lawyers to be using. And Dennis felt so strongly about it that he and, and our good friend Allison Shields wrote a book about it for the American Bar Association. It's called LinkedIn in One Hour for Lawyers, and I'm pleased to introduce as our guest for this episode, Allison Shields, the co-author of the book. Uh, Allison is the president of Legalese Consulting, where she works with lawyers to develop strategies that increase their efficiency their effectiveness, growth, and profitability. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thanks, Tom. I'm happy to be here, especially talking about LinkedIn. Well, you know, I follow the bestsellers list in the ABA bookstore, and they'll show the, the top 10 or top 20 books that are selling right now. And I see that LinkedIn in one hour for lawyers is consistently on the front page, which means to me that lots of lawyers must be buying it. So, uh, you know, Allison, what were you and Dennis hearing from lawyers that prompted you to write this book? Well, I think one of the things, Tom, was uh, that a lot of lawyers uh, have either heard about LinkedIn or had a LinkedIn account, but weren't necessarily using it or, or didn't know how to use it effectively. And we saw that Dennis and I, before we wrote the book, did a, a webinar for the ABA Law Practice Management section, and we got an overwhelming response to that. And so that gave us, I think, one of the big ideas to do the book because there was so much of an interest in the topic that lawyers really wanted to know why they should use it and what they should be doing with it, aside from just clicking accept when they got an invitation in their email inbox. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It was it was striking to me that when, when I spoke to lawyers about social media, there was a 
sort of the majority of the people in the room always had a LinkedIn account, but most of them felt they didn't use it. And after I talked about LinkedIn, there would be some part of it. It could be the you know the basic profile. It could be how you do connections. That they were surprised, and they and they were always like, "Oh, this has so much more potential than I thought. I need to look." more into this. And so so I think it was it was that aspect of realizing that was LinkedIn was was definitely a social uh, networking platform that fits how lawyers think, but that lawyers were actually on it in a really significant percentage, but they all had the feeling and I think accurately that they were using just a small fraction of of the capability of of LinkedIn. Well, I think that certainly applies to me too. I, I after after reading the book, I, I I thought that I knew a lot about LinkedIn. I, I turns out that I didn't know quite as much as I thought. And and al- although I'm probably not still not using LinkedIn as much as I should, I I think that I have a, a much better appreciation for some of the things you can actually do and 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 some of the ways that you can benefit from it. Now, one of the things that I like about the book is that it it you you make it easy to 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 understand the approach to LinkedIn because you're approaching it. Um, from what you call three essential building blocks to creating an effective presence on LinkedIn. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about those three building blocks, Allison, and why they're important? Sure. Uh, well, the three building blocks that we based the book on were number one, the profile, number two, connections, and number three, participation. So the profile is the way that you establish your presence and your professional identity on LinkedIn. And essentially, it's an online professional biography or resume that gives others the detail about who you are uh, and what you do. And one of the most important things for me is who your clients are and what you do for them. So that's not necessarily all about you, but it's also about what you can do for your clients and maybe strategic alliances and referral sources. But at its most basic, I think the profile is is your face on LinkedIn. And then the second piece is the connections. Those are the people in your networks. I mean, let's face it, the whole point of social media and social networking is networking, and that means your connections. So LinkedIn has a lot of powerful tools for searching and finding different people to connect to, but also helping you identify the people who are in your existing networks, um, finding new people to meet, and inviting those people to connect to you, and then accepting invitations from other people to connect, and then seeing how those people are connected to other people, which I know Dennis kind of calls the uh, the six degrees of separation theory of, of using LinkedIn. And then the final building block is participation, and that's what we call the cultivating and tending of your connections in your network. It's how you engage with other people and start conversations and move those relationships forward. Um, Dennis, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the 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 three building blocks. I think what's especially attractive about that approach is is the old rules of three notion. And so you're able to say, oh, there are three parts of this. I can think about them together. I can hold three ideas in my head at the same time, and then I can work on each piece of it and see how they fit together. You know that I and this helps me create the presence. You know, in, in terms of the profile, to to that I have this network of connections, and I see how those fit together, and then. 
then I, I think the third part of it uh, that we always emphasize is you can't just go to LinkedIn. And this is where I think a lot of lawyers get disappointed or they say LinkedIn is not especially effective for me, is you can't just join LinkedIn, do the bare minimum and sit back and wait for things to happen. It's like joining you know, a, a rotary club or any of the other things that you might do if, if you join up or get, you know, just buy your membership and never show up. And then you say, it's not worthwhile to me. It's because you're not putting anything into it. And so I think that participation element and the way we sketch out all the different things that you can do uh, to activate your network, to grow and nurture it, and to bring it into the real world, I think I think it's really helpful. So that, that three, the three parts, the three building blocks, I think really help people think that through. Well, you know, I will only be contrary. I think this may be the only time I'm contrary to anything that either of you say today. And that is in that I think that that your presence on LinkedIn depends on what you want to get out of it. You know, I, I said at the beginning that I don't use LinkedIn as well as I could or perhaps should. But if my if my purpose is to simply maintain a presence on the Internet, you know, the and, and, and we're, we're getting to a question that I that, that that comes into this is I know that by having my LinkedIn profile up, people can have access to my current bio, to what I am currently doing. They I have I have had a say in that and people when they want to find out about me it's there whether I choose to participate more or not so for me having that up there is is almost completely worth the 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 the, the ability to be part of LinkedIn um, but that leads me really to my next question Dennis I'm going to come back to you with that I, you know I use LinkedIn all the time to learn more about the clients I'm working with to learn more about people I happen to be working with or doing things or presenting uh, speech with if I've never met them before. And what strikes me uh, is how poor or non-existent most people's profiles on LinkedIn are. So do you have any, does the book contain tips? Do you have any tips that you can offer on making an effective LinkedIn profile? Yeah, I think there are a lot of, a lot of tips and, and Allison really excels at, at going through the, the specific tips. But I agree with you. I when I when The way I use LinkedIn to find out information on, on people I might be uh, dealing with, interviewing, all, all sorts of different things, I, I'm surprised at, at uh, you know, how either resume-ish or how uh, bare bones the profiles are when you can put some really great information in there. Um, and so there are a number of there are a number of ways, but probably the best thing is that LinkedIn has this template approach and this mechanism to tell you here are all the things you need to do to have a complete profile. And it walks you through that and there's a percentage of completion, you get suggestions. Um, so there's all that. But but I think the main thing is and, and I'll let Allison ex explain some of this as as well is is that you need to think about who's going to access you through LinkedIn and what they're looking for. And so I think a, a much more narrative approach, a friendly approach, something that highlights what you think are, is really important and get a sense of what you would like to see on somebody's profile and then, and then do that for yourself, I think is really the best approach. Yeah, Dennis, I think that's a good point, you know, and I, and I kind of alluded to it before, and, and you know from all the conversations that we have had and doing the book together, that that's one of the things I kind of harp on, and it goes back a little bit to Tom's point also, is to start off with, well, what's the purpose for me participating on LinkedIn? What do I want to get out of it? If I'm expecting to get referrals or for people who look at my LinkedIn profile to 
want to then work with me or refer business to me, there has to be enough information in the profile for them to do that, to be able to figure out what it is that you do. And even simple things like your professional headline, which shows up next to your photo anywhere you interact with people on LinkedIn and even when you send an invitation, if it just says attorney or if it just says partner, uh, you know, Smith & Wesson LLC, nobody really knows whether even you're an attorney or what kind of law you practice. And so I always look at your profile and those little pieces of your profile that kind of follow you around LinkedIn as a way to let people know who you are, what you do, and who you do it for, and to make it easy for them to figure out whether you're somebody that they want to connect with or to do business with. So once you know your purpose, then you have to figure out, as Dennis says, what's important to the people that you want to look at your profile, what's important to potential clients and referral sources for them to know about you, and also how do they talk about it. So, Dennis, you mentioned the whole idea of taking the narrative approach, but try to use the words that those people use to describe what you do as opposed to maybe the legal jargon that only other lawyers in your area of practice know because people's eyes are going to glaze over and they're not going to realize that you do exactly what they're looking for if you're using a different, essentially different language uh, than what they use. And I think one of the most effective things in the profile is the summary field, which if it's filled in, comes up way at the top of the profile before your experience and all the different law firms or, or jobs that you've had. And that's a good place to really talk about who your clients are and, and what you do for them and to update that regularly. A lot of the other pieces of your profile you don't have to update as often. I mean, certainly your past experience is your past experience. Uh, but that summary field, you can update and talk about new things that you're doing um, and use some of these suggestions that, that LinkedIn gives you. There are new sections that they're adding all the time, um, like projects and things that might highlight certain things that you do that may not fit elsewhere in the LinkedIn profile and that people might not get from your regular law firm website. No, I think that's all that's all very very good advice and, and something that I don't see on, on a lot of LinkedIn profiles. I don't make as much use of the summary um, area as I should. I know that uh, that the folks at my company want to make better use of it and kind of have a consistent message during the in the summary for all of the uh, all the consultants that I work with. But uh, but but you know, the, the other part, having an effective profile is one thing, but uh, the, the social networking, the part that makes it social is actually having a network to talk to. And uh, and, and one of the ways to do that is uh, certainly for you to go out and make your own connections. Um, but I will tell you that probably at the, at the risk of starting a rant right here in the first segment, um, one of the, I think, one, one of the worst things about LinkedIn, as far as I'm concerned, is that I have an inbox of invitations from uh, people that I don't know who say that I am their friend. I don't know who they are, but yet they say that I'm their friend. You know, can can you help these people out? Can you provide some recommended approaches for, for making connections on LinkedIn? Allison, we'll, we'll start with you. Sure. I mean, one of the ways to start out with making connections on LinkedIn is, is to load up all of your contacts from your email program to LinkedIn. And I know that when people hear that, sometimes they get scared because they're afraid that LinkedIn is then automatically going to be sending messages to their entire address book. And that's certainly not something that we want. I mean, 
most of us have people in our address book that we don't even remember who they are anymore. But what's nice about uploading it to LinkedIn is that then you can pick and choose. First of all, you can see who is already on LinkedIn, and I always think that it's better to send invitations to people who are at least have an account on LinkedIn so that they know what it is. And then you can... There's all sorts of tools in LinkedIn where you can tag people so that you can separate and, and send messages to, to different levels of connections and people in different industries, perhaps. Um, but my approach to connections is to try to connect with people that I somehow know. So, Tom, like you, I get annoyed when I get invitations to connect on LinkedIn with people that I don't know, particularly because if they say, as you mentioned, that they're my friend and I don't even know who they are. And as you and I were talking about a little bit before the podcast today, that's a lazy approach. There are different ways that LinkedIn allows you to connect with other people. And if you say you're a friend, you don't need to have any further information. Whereas if you click one of the other options on the invitation, you may need to have an, an email address for the person. So rather than looking it up, uh, people just click friend. Uh, but I think that you and I are probably not the only ones who are annoyed by that. So I always look to say, well, if my purpose is to grow my network, then when I'm sending an invitation... I want to send it with as many things as I can to make the other person see a reason to connect with me. That's the whole point. So I always send a personalized invitation. Don't use the, the default invitation that's up there. Don't take the lazy way out. Let the person know not only how you know them uh, and why you want to connect with them, but maybe some reasons why they might want to connect with you. You know, Why do you think you could help them out? Uh, and follow up with, with a thank you. Uh, I don't just willy-nilly connect to anybody who wants to connect to me on LinkedIn. I know other people have a different view of that, uh, but I like my network to be at least somewhat functional for not just myself, but for other people in my network. So if you, Tom, if you ask me about somebody that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, I want to be able to tell you something about that person, even if it's just we're in an, a group together on LinkedIn and we've had conversations back and forth, but I don't know about their legal work. Or they're a client of mine and, and I know X, Y, and Z about them. I don't want it just to be a whole bunch of people who are getting updates from me. Uh, Dennis, I don't know what you think about the quality versus quantity argument. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing because you can say, I want to go, f and I think philosophically you do have a choice on this, especially if you're, you're starting out fairly fresh, because you could say, I want a, a high quality network. So I'm going to be very careful about who I choose. You know, I'll use some of the, the tools to connect with, you know, my people I went to school with, the people I used to work with. I mean, there's all these great search tools where you can, you can find different people to connect. And I'm going to build this really high quality quality, um, sort of limited scope network. So everybody I know who's, I know people really well in there, and then I can use the LinkedIn network in that fashion. The other approach is you can say, I want to add a, a lot of connections because then it's going to be easier for me to get from where I am to somebody I don't know through somebody I'm connected to. Because that's one of the great underused uh, aspects of LinkedIn is, is uh, making a, a sort of a warm connection connection to somebody because you know somebody who's between you and them. So so you go to the person you're connected to who's also connected to them. They become the go-between, and then you're able to accomplish more when you actually want to reach somebody. And I have a bunch of examples of, of how I've, I've done that over the years. And so there's two different approaches. I think when you're sort of like a quasi-public figure, um, 
it becomes harder to have this really limited networks. So in my case, I have a lot of LinkedIn connections. And part of it is because as a blogger, podcaster, and, and writing the books, that if, if somebody says they read my blog, they do other things like that, then I tend to to connect to them. Um, because I, I think it would be hard to say no to somebody who says, I love your book, I would like to be, I, you know, especially you say, I loved your book on LinkedIn, I'd like to connect with you. And then I end up saying no to them. I just don't think that's an option. So I you know, tend to go to more toward the the quantity side of, of the equation. Um, and then you, you kind of have to do a little bit more sifting, but then your network extends. And so you're in, you know, through the sort of laws and rules of networking, you just have a lot more connections. So, you know, a couple different ap- approaches to it. But I, I think I, I do want to emphasize this thing about this, this sort of using the stock invitation is just, just a bad idea. Um, like in my case, when I get them, it really surprises me why somebody would do that. Because I do look them up and I see who we, we have the connections in common. But if somebody would say, hey, I read your book and I loved it, then I'm I'm obviously going to connect to them. Or they say, I, you know, I read your blog or I listen to the podcast or we have this person, we know this person in common. That's it, it, just those two sentences in the invitation almost guarantees that somebody's going to re- respond and connect to you. Well, I, you know, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask a, a further question about participation in LinkedIn, but you know, this segment's running out of time. So I'm going to just tell everybody, if you want to learn more about participation on LinkedIn, you're going to have to buy the book. I want to finish out with one question because it was a theme in the book. And I, and I kind of wanted to get your take on this and what you mean by this, but, but, and, and Dennis, I'll start this question with you and then Allison can finish up. You know, one of the main themes that you stress is that to be successful on LinkedIn, you need to bring what you do in LinkedIn into the real world and vice versa. What exactly do you mean by that? And why do you think that's a good thing? Well, I mean, it's, it's all about humans, you know, and, and that, you know, we're connecting is connecting is a, is a real world term and it's an internet term. So LinkedIn in a way is sort of mapping your real world network onto the internet. And it's also, you know, helping you map out the, the connections that you have with people you only know over the, the internet. Um, and in the same way, you know, if I know people in town, other lawyers in town, there are people I go to lunch with, you know, there's people I see on occasion. There's, when I travel, there are people I might try to see. Well, what I think is really valuable about, about LinkedIn is is how it, it brings those two worlds together. So if I know if I'm going to an ABA meeting, I could look in LinkedIn and see, or I'm speaking in a different city. I can see who I know in that city in LinkedIn, and I can I can arrange to you know see if I can get together with them. I can also look and say, here are people who refer me business, or you know here's somebody we have in common. So I can put together this group of people to have lunch, and I get sort of these reminders of what's happening. In the participation side, we're also getting these updates from people. So you can say, oh, I learned that somebody has a new job, and so I can follow up in the real world. And and so that's when I, when I think you say, I think too many people think, oh, LinkedIn is this internet thing. And then I'm also doing these things in the real world. And I say, no, no, what you want to do is, is use those things so that, so that LinkedIn enhances what you're doing in the real world. Allison? Yeah, Dennis, I mean, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's not just taking who you can find on LinkedIn and trying to meet them in the real world, but it's the other way too. You know, marketing, we say it takes seven touches or nine touches maybe before someone's going to do business with you. So if you meet somebody, say, at a conference or someone comes up to you after you speak at an event or or maybe it's even opposing counsel in court or 
some other potential business contact that you meet in the real world, one of the ways to follow up is to to go on to LinkedIn and ask them to connect on LinkedIn. Or, as Dennis was mentioning, if I get somebody who reaches out to me on LinkedIn and they give me that reason to connect with them on LinkedIn, but I don't really know them, like maybe they said they read the book and they would love to connect with me, I don't necessarily say no because I didn't know them, but what I try to do is use LinkedIn as a way to further that relationship. I mean, if the person loved the book, then maybe they'll love some other things I'm doing, Maybe they're interested in other things that I write or ha- or have to say. So I use LinkedIn as a way to then further that relationship. So I'll write back to them and say, instead of just hitting the connect button, I'll write back and say, thank you for connecting. I'm glad you liked the book. Do you have any questions about LinkedIn? Do you want to join our LinkedIn uh, group about social networking for lawyers? So I'm moving it moving that relationship further down the field, whether I've met them first in the real world or I've met them first in LinkedIn. Well, we've got more to talk about LinkedIn, but uh, before we get to that, let's, uh, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, AppRiver, PC Law by LexisNexis, and Clio. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to introduce us to the world of cloud computing and how it can be beneficial to lawyers and law firms. Jack, we're hearing great things about cloud computing and its utility for law firms. Can you tell me why so many lawyers are excited about cloud computing? I think the most important thing about cloud computing from a lawyer's perspective is that it gives them the power and breadth of features that traditional desktop and server-based software uh, gives them without all of the IT overhead and inconvenience. So there's uh, all the benefits and none of the downsides of traditional desktop-based software, and they're able to focus on practicing law with a really solid cloud computing platform behind them. So I think that's where you're seeing a lot of the the excitement is they're now able to realize the, the potential of IT without all of the headaches. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Protect your firm's email with AppRiver. Send confidential emails with confidence using AppRiver's CypherPost Pro email encryption service. With CypherPost Pro, you'll control who sees your messages, and a patented delivery slip will show you when they're received and opened. There's no hardware or software to manage. You can cancel any time, and you get a 30-day free trial, all backed by AppRiver's phenomenal care. Visit AppRiver.com, that's A-P-P-River.com, or call 866-223-4645. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to PCLaw.com radio. That's PCLaw.com radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. Promote yourself online with Legal Talk Network by becoming a featured lawyer. Your featured lawyer profile lets potential clients and referral attorneys get to know you in a five-minute podcast interview with Legal Talk Network, plus your photo, your bio, and your firm's contact info. Be part of the most progressive online legal network anywhere. 
Just call Legal Talk Network at 781-551-9960. That's 781-551-9960. Or by emailing admin at legaltalknetwork.com. Be a Legal Talk Network featured lawyer now. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn too. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment that we call Puzzled, we pick a tech topic that has puzzled us recently and see whether we can make more sense of it for ourselves and for you. Allison is staying with us for this segment. What puzzles me is how often lawyers tell me that the reason they got on LinkedIn in the first place was because a client insisted that they do so to connect with the client. Yet the lawyer tells me they still don't see much potential value in LinkedIn, and they don't understand why they're doing it. So I'm puzzled by the inconsistencies in that statement. Allison, we actually hear those comments a lot. What What do you think when, when you hear a lawyer tell you that? Actually, Dennis, to be honest with you, when I hear that, I figure that's a typical inconsistency with lawyers. You know, they assume that since they don't use it or they don't understand it, that nobody else does. Um, even when they're faced with evidence to the contrary, like a client saying, you know, I use this all the time and I want you to use it, it may take multiple times for a lawyer to hear that before they're dragged kicking and screaming into it. Um, and I think the problem, part of the problem is that they don't really know enough about LinkedIn. I mean, you mentioned it earlier that until they start to see the potential, you know, until somebody forces them to sit down and look at it, um, they just don't get it. And I think a lot of them are afraid of the Internet. They All they know of LinkedIn is the invitation. They don't know what that means. You know, is it going to infiltrate their address book and send these nasty messages? Or are they opening up their computer network to um, all kinds of nasty things on the Internet if they allow LinkedIn to connect to their, you know, address book and things like that? So it, it seems to me it's it's puzzling in one way, but it's also... It's also typical of lawyers in another way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's there's this sort of you know uh, fear of, of of the new in a way, and then then uh, you know I, I just have this. There's just such an odd sense to that because you say, well, what else? You know, how often does a client ask you to do something or even insist on it that you're just going to flat out say no to? But you're so resistant on LinkedIn. The other thing is, I think that if if you just have one person or a couple people ask you to be on LinkedIn, I think it's really hard to get a sense of the power of of LinkedIn. So, I mean, if you it's like in the real world, you have a network of three people, it's it's going to have a limited amount of value. It's sort of as that network starts to extend that you you start to see that. Uh, you start to see the value of it. And so I, I think that that's one thing. And, and so in a way, the reaction should be, well, if the client thinks LinkedIn is great, maybe they can introduce me to you know some of their connections and I can you know learn how to use it. So the, for the lawyer who has that question, I would say if you have the client who wants you on it and is an advocate for LinkedIn, then say, um, you know, show me how it works and you know tell me how it's benefited you, you know, how it, how it works for you. And are there some other people you can introduce me to? Tom? No, I, I agree with that. I, 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 we were talking about before the show that, uh, that, that, uh, 
my, my frustration when I see people on Twitter who say that they think that LinkedIn is the worst social network that's out there. And, you know, I, I, I will come back to what I said at the very beginning. So I guess we've come full circle is that LinkedIn is what you put into it and what you want to get out of it. Um, I would say that my engagement on LinkedIn is probably the least of any social network that I'm on. But I can also tell you that I've had lots of connections with lots of people because of my LinkedIn profile, because I take the time to go in and tell people and share with people who I am and what I'm doing and what my experience is, um, I'm getting the benefit of that and of using LinkedIn. And I, and I think that by, uh, by, by, by going further and, t- and making more of the service, uh, you can get more out of it. And I, I think, again, I will refer people to the book to, to, to mention. So before we end this second segment, um, Allison, can you tell our audience uh, where they can get a copy of the book? Absolutely. If you go on the uh, ABA website, you can find it there. It's published by the Law Practice Management section, and it's LinkedIn in one hour for lawyers. And, and Tom, it's also worth mentioning, Alice and I have just, uh, f- I, I think it's officially released now, our, our new book, Facebook in One Hour for Lawyers, is also available in the same place. And there's also an iBook version of the LinkedIn uh, book available through iTunes. But it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Well, I've been, if you've been noticing the news lately, there have been a lot of security breaches, and, and the typical response to those breaches has been to enable two-step verification for certain sites or tools. And so I, I'll put my pitch in for enabling two-step verification, multi-factor verification anywhere that you can. And, and for those of you who aren't familiar, multi-factor verification requires that you have a, a password, but then you have something beyond that password, which is typically a token, typically a series of numbers that only you have that people can't get into. And and the three sites that I'm currently using multi-factor authentication for are my Gmail account, my LastPass for passwords, and my uh, and, and now my Dropbox account. Dropbox just announced multi-factor authentication in the past week or so. Uh, I recommend, and we'll put links in the show notes, I recommend that you find out how to do it for each of these and enable it on all of those sites if you have them. Allison. Well, I'm going to stick with LinkedIn and uh, give one of the tips that we never get a chance to talk about and we didn't even have room to include in the book, and that's the LinkedIn Year in Review. Uh, you can Google it. Just Google LinkedIn Year in Review, and you'll get the link, and then you log in with your LinkedIn credentials. And what that gives you is what's new in your network all in one place. So anybody that's changed jobs or, or had a significant change uh, that they put into LinkedIn, you'll get it all in one place. And it's great for sending congratulations notes to people about new jobs. It's a great way to reconnect with people you may not connect with otherwise. And let's face it, most of us don't have as much time as we might like to monitor our networks and look at those uh, emails that come from LinkedIn every week or to look on our LinkedIn homepage for those updates. But for the really big stuff, uh, LinkedIn year in review. And if you go on it right now, it will give you so far everything that's happened in 2012. But you could also look, if you want to, um, back at uh, 2011 and 2010 also, I believe. So again, it's the LinkedIn year in review. That's that's a great tip, uh, Allison. My my uh, parting shop will tell you a lot about where my head is at these days, and and I found this audio recording of a presentation by Karen McGrain. It's M C G R A N E. She's a usability expert, and uh, it's called "Adapting Ourselves to Adaptive Content," and it's a presentation from the Breaking Development Conference back in April two thousand twelve. 
And it talks about what's happening in the world of publishing and this separation of content from display and the impact of multiple devices, mobile, and the different ways that we're going to need to write and present information. Um, to me, and as like I said, this tells you where my head is at. This is a, just a mind-blowing presentation. I think it has implications for almost everything we do um, in, in for anybody who puts information out to people. Um, so I highly recommend it. I actually think it does have implica implications for lawyers because lawyers do put documents and other information out to people. So we'll have a link to the show notes. But again, Karen McGrain, it made me want to listen to and read everything she's ever written after I heard this presentation. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom. Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Link yourself to great legal technology content by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.